Hi, I'm William Hahn, and this is the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. We're going to focus primarily on history, particularly Chinese history, but every now and then you just may hear me jump to a completely different subject or context, just because. And oftentimes we'll be discussing things that most people may not know all that much about, or things that are kind of surprising. Now, a standard disclaimer: I am not a professional historian. Or a professional scholar of any kind, I am strictly a dilettante. I am just a guy who is very interested in the stuff he talks about and knows something about it, and who thinks that you ought to be interested in the same stuff as well. And today, I'm going to tell you a story from the fourth century BC that has implications in international politics, not only in Asia but in Europe as well. Indeed, all around the world. I'm joined today by journalist extraordinaire Alice Irait from、Hi. from Paris, France. Hi,、uh, so、I'm Alice. I'm a journalist <laughs> from from Paris, France. I live in Taiwan. <laughs> right, we're coming to you from from Taipei, Taiwan,、uh, where、uh, Alice has been living for some time, and where I am originally from. Now, before we all get started, Alice, how would you like a beer? Sure. <laughs> Very good. I'm glad I bought some earlier. Now, since this is yes, right, yeah, oh, 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 well, that's nice. Okay.、Uh, since this is our inaugural episode, I thought it makes sense. It's my turn. Thought it makes sense to devote this episode to the person that we're naming ourselves after, the Master of Demon Gorge. Now, Alice, do you know who the Master of Demon Gorge was? Absolutely not. So I have not told you the story before. Not at all. Excellent. <laughs> so perfect time to tell you the story of the master of Demon Gorge. But first, we must have some understanding of the historical context. The historical background here is the Warring States period in Chinese history. You do you know do you know roughly when when that was, Alice? Warring States. Um, <laughs> so that's、uh, not not so much. I mean, I'm afraid I I might say a mistake. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Anyway, the point is, uh, uh, so we're talking about、um, we're talking about 400 BC, give or take, here, and so during the Warring States period,、uh, China was not one country, but a series of kingdoms, specifically seven kingdoms, just like in Westeros on Game of Thrones, you know. Um, so there were seven kingdoms. We call them the the Zhangguo Qishong, the seven powers of the Warring States. And as the as the name of the period suggested, they kept fighting each other all the time.、Um, and it was actually、uh, a lot like modern Europe,、uh, at least modern Europe before the before the First World War. So in the modern Europe in the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth centuries, when. A series of medium-sized kingdoms competed with each other constantly and often fought wars. In fact, that comparison was made by none other than Henry Kissinger in his book Diplomacy. What, he, what was made by Henry, Henry Kissinger, Kissinger, former、uh, American? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He、uh, he wrote this book called Diplomacy, in which he talked about how 
you know, uh, before modern Europe, after the Peace of Westphalia of 1648, the other great example of international politics, of the balance of power politics, was the Warring States period of China, or immediately well, before that, the spring and autumn period. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. All right. So the important thing about the Warring States period, just like in, in Europe, um, was that if you didn't like where you were living, you could go to one of the other kingdoms. Most significantly, if you're not happy with how your career is going, you can move to another kingdom. If you didn't feel like that the king in your country valued your skills and your talents, you could move to one of its competitors and offer your services. And you're, there you had seven choices. So, you know, uh, go around, see, uh, see, uh, see what you get in each one. Then that's the, that's the uh, background you have to understand. Now, <clears throat> in a place of ill repute, a place that local people avoided because they were afraid of it, somewhere in the Chinese countryside called the Demon Gorge, or the Guigu, which you could also translate as the Ghost Gorge or the Ghost Valley. There was a man who lived there who came to be known as the master of Demon Gorge, Guigu who supposedly knew absolutely everything, every branch of knowledge that was known to Chinese society at the time, he was supposed to have been the best at. So basically, like, Oh, I can't even think of a good comparison, you know, Stephen Hawking plus, I don't know, uh, there's, there are no such people in, in modern times, of course, because in modern world, knowledge has become too diverse, too, too uh, specialized. So they say the last man who knew everything was one Thomas Young of England, who was a physician and a physicist and a linguist and an Egyptologist. Did you know that? No, I mean, I'm impressed that anyone, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any back in the 18th person century. can know everything at well, that, any that's time, what you they, know? That's what they called him. He didn't actually know everything, but he was someone who people f felt as though knew everything. It was Thomas Young, but he was the last man who still uh, lived in a time when knowledge wasn't so specialized that it was impossible anymore. Anyhow, in... Around around in the in the fourth century BC, the master of Demon Gorge was supposed to have known everything, and so here in his in his place of seclusion, he offered his services to students to um, whoever wanted to to learn something from him. But because he knew literally everything, so they said, um, these all these young students would uh, these enterprising young men would would come to him in the middle of nowhere in, in the in the in the gorge and say, "Master, will you take me as a student?" And he would have to say, "Well, what would you like to study?" Because you know, there it, I, I have all, I have dif these different courses on offer <laughs> essentially, and now you got to pick one. Is it going to be astrology? Is it going to be literature? Is it going to be uh, uh, rhetoric? Is it going to be philosophy? So one day. Two students. It would take rhetoric. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one day, these two guys came to him, two friends. They came to the master and said, "Master, will you take us as, as, as students?" And the master said, "What would you like to study?" And they said, "The art of war." 
Now these two guys, these two best friends, were named Sun Bing and Pang Juan. Sun Bing was supposed to have been a descendant of Sun Zi, the, the man who wrote the Art of War. So to, now think about that: the great great grandson of uh, the man who wrote the Art of War comes to study the Art of War with a different guy. So I suppose that tells you something about his reputation. Anyway, so the two men, so the two young men, learn from the master, and they complete their courses. And they leave the gorge, and they go out into the world, and they offer their services to rival kingdoms. Now, Pangren comes to believe that his friend and fellow student was just that much more brilliant than he was. So, in this in this dog eat dog world of ours, he would never be the best as long as his friend was out there. So, he decided to destroy him. This story is about to get a little bit gnarly. I apologize ahead of time. So Pang Juan set a trap for his old friend Sun Bing. He cut off both of his legs,、mm. and he kept him in a pigsty, like an animal, and then he tattooed his face,、Ooh. so as to destroy him psychologically, to drive him insane. But Sun Bing was made of stronger stuff than that, so he pretended that his frenemy's plans had worked, and he had completely lost it. But actually, he was still completely, completely、uh, himself up here. So he escaped.、It's、kind of strange to think of a legless man escaping, but anyway,、yeah. he somehow managed to.、I、he mean, somehow managed to. I was, to... <laughs> I was wondering if I was following. I'm not sure about the details, but he crawled out of the pigsty with his hands, and somehow he got away, and he managed to to、uh, to to go to a rival kingdom and uh, and uh, impress the king. Even as a legless man with a tattooed face, he was able to impress the king with his brilliant intellect, and the king made him his chief advisor. And eventually, Sun Bing had his revenge on his erstwhile friend and killed him. Now. That's, believe it or not, the less the less interesting part of this story. <laughs> so, all right. So that's that's from being in Pangren. So some years after that, another pair of young men showed up at the master's house in Demon Gorge, and they said, "Master, we would like to learn from you." And the master said, "Okay, what would you like to study?" And the two guys, the two friends, said. We want to learn the art of persuasion. We want to learn diplomacy, which、okay. I suppose rhetoric would be part of that. Like that, what you wanted to study. So we want to we want to, we want to learn diplomacy from you. And the master said, "Okay, so you know, sit down and take your courses."、Uh, sometime later, the two young men had finished their education, and they leave. And again, they go to. The seven kingdoms, one by one, to try to offer their services. These two guys were named Su Qing and Zhang Yi. Su Qing,、uh, he he managed to find favor in one of the kingdoms, and he uh, and uh, oh, he he found favor before his friend. He found he found success in his career before his friend, and、um, Su Qing became. Uh, Su Qing became a trusted advisor of his king, and he came up with this idea. Oh,、uh, back up a little bit more about the background. 
in this time during the warring states of the seven kingdoms one was already growing into a superpower that would be the kingdom of qing you, you, you know about, you know about that yes yeah, that's right yeah so those of you who already know some chinese history know how uh, the warring states period ended but we're going to get to that <laughs> um so out of seven one was growing to a superpower so what su qing came up with was what today we would call a multilateral alliance a la nato <laughs> no i'm not kidding i am not kidding so he figured that if he could convince the kings of all six kingdoms other than the qing to ally with each other then they could defeat the superpower so this is this is the same concept as the atlantic council which formed the uh, the nato alliance the north atlantic treaty organization it would function by consensus right the united states even though it is the leading power of nato would follow the same rules as the other members of the um, of the alliance now so sushin came up with this brilliant idea and he he managed to ally the six kingdoms against the qing and um and uh he was uh his career was uh, going all hunky dory he's uh, he's now like one of the most important men in uh, in 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 well in all of china really and at one point he was he famously carried the prime minister's seal the chancellor's seals of all six kingdoms so he was sort of the chancellor of all six kingdoms imagine that what yeah like all six kings trusted him enough to 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 give him the 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 the, the ministerial seal so then Zhang Yi was still out there and he's still like you know he's broke he's his career's not going anywhere nobody cared about him and um one day uh his wife was like oh look at you like uh, what did you even like you spent all those years studying from the famous master of demon gourds and what the hell did you even learn anyway you know we can't even like, we can we we barely know where where our next meal's coming from Zhang Yi said to him, said to her to his wife, "Woman, look into my mouth. Do I still have a tongue in there?" She said, "Well, yeah." And he said, "Then we're going to be okay." Why? I can. I still have a tongue. I can still talk. I can still persuade people. Mm. I still have my skill. I still have. I can still do what I do. So then Zhang Yi goes to his old friend Su Qing, now the big man, big man on campus. And there's a there's a it's a, it's a complicated story. The, Zhang Yi basically goes to goes to his old friend to say, "Please, can I have a job?" And Su Qing, um, he agreed to meet with his old friend, only then to snub him. To oh, to he constantly he kept canceling. Weird. Well, aha! You see, you say that that's exactly what Zhang Yi thought. He was like. What, what an what an a hole! I mean, like I thought we were best friends, and now he's like all rich and famous and stuff. Now he won't even see me. <sighs> I uh, I hate this guy, and at this time he resolves to go and offer his services to the kingdom of Qing, the one superpower, the what the, the lone the lone superpower that's been left out of the alliance that that the alliance is supposed to control, right? He's I'm going to destroy. His his multilateral alliance. So he goes over to the kingdom of Qing, but only when he arrives, and is is very quickly 
accepted into the court and very quickly becomes a, an advisor to the king, does it dawn on him that this was his friend's plan all along? What was his friend's plan? It was Su Qing's plan all along to pretend to be rude to him, to mm. to to give him the motivation. Oh, that's right. Because had he offered him a job, then he would forever be his deputy. He would forever work for his friend. He would never be able to climb to the same level mm. as him. So he pushed him oh. into the arms of the enemy, the Qing. <laughs> And Zhang Yi realized this. He swore to the gods that as long as long as his friend Su Qing was still alive, he would never act against the the, the alliance of the six kingdoms. Alas, Su Qing died before Zhang Yi. So once oh, Su Qing died, that's right. That's right. Oh, you're 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 spoiling the ending here. Oh. All right, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> So so it's all right. So 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 Su Qing dies, and Zhang Yi goes. All right, now I can do my thing. So now this, what he then does, is basically what uh, modern uh, uh, foreign policy of the People's Republic of China is basically is bilateral alliances. So so Su Qing had created a multilateral alliance, a la NATO, where、mm-hmm. a series of smaller countries. Or ASEAN, or ALA, you can you can name your name yeah, your treaty alliance, yeah, a lot of organizations. organizations, right? So you have a, a series of smaller countries band together, and、uh, on a multilateral level against a, a one、uh, superpower enemy. So what that superpower can then do to counter that, which is what Zhang Yi now does, is it can offer bilateral relations. With each of the smaller countries, one by one.、Mm. So he goes to one each of the kingdoms, one by one, and says, "Hey, you know, that's what China is doing. That's exactly what China is doing. Don't you see everything? <laughs> yes, that's right. Everything, everything. You know, you think you know everything. Everything has happened before. Everything will happen again. That's Nietzsche, right? You know, the eternal recurrence. So everything they're doing now. Oh, and also, by the way." Of course, every Chinese statesman has studied this period in history and has knows the story of Su Qing and Zhang Yi and knows what this is in Chinese is called 合纵连横 multilateral versus bilateral. And so Zhang Yi proceeds to do exactly what Beijing is today doing. It goes to the smaller countries one by one and offers them、uh, favorable terms and say, "Why don't you abandon your multilateral alliance?" And come over to our side, a、eh? a.、Eh? I can offer you trade, you know, aid, economic benefits. I can offer you know, those other guys. They don't really have your best interest in mind. Come on, and one by one, Zhang Yi was able to turn the kings of the six kingdoms. But really, as as Zhang Yi then,、uh, by the by the time he succeeded in essentially dismantling the alliance of the six kingdoms. And and laid the foundation for future Qing conquest of all of China and the foundation of the first imperial dynasty. After he succeeded, he said, "Yeah, so I have destroyed my old friend's life's work, but you know what? His accomplishment was greater than mine because to build the alliance of the six kingdoms, he had to he had to persuade all six kings." 
for me to destroy it, I only needed to persuade one or two, really, because once once one steps out. Mm, everything, right. Everything. It 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 starts to fall apart. It's a domino effect, yeah. right? You know, the, the logic for the alliance immediately, mm. you know, reduces, and then so the second guy yeah. leaves. That's now the we good have news for four. Europe. Well, <laughs> well, says the European. We'll leave that discussion for another day. So then, that is、uh, the reason. That is the story of the master of Demon Gorge. And that is also、uh, my explanation for why we decided to name our podcast after him. The fact that he was a figure from ancient China tells you, I think,、uh, that much of this podcast will be focused on history, particularly the history of ancient China. But he was also a guy who knew a lot of stuff. And、uh, like to、uh, like to、uh, dabble in different things, and that is what we like to do around here. Even though, of course, I make no claim to know everything, like the master did. That is our promise going forward, hopefully, and、uh, that's what we're going to try to do. So, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, Master of Demon Gorge. I am William Hahn. Thank you for listening.